What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We are chatting the first ever deliberately chosen action comedy on Action Movie Anatomy today. Over 100 episodes in, we've been talking about this movie for years. It's Tropic Thunder, guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Wait! Today is the day. This is maybe my favorite song ever. I think it's the greatest song of all time. The back. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I think so. I think so. And it, it just carries so much weight to it now that we've done it for so many episodes on the show, and we've also done it for a few episodes of the Schmodown. I think that the realization that we had when we were watching the scene of Denzel in the car with the guns, yeah. it's sexy, ain't it? Sexy. We're like, I thought yes. we were going to the office. <laughs> you in the office, baby. Like, Is that Ethan Hawke? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, we hadn't seen the movie, either of us, in either, easily 10 years. And when that yeah. scene happens, it was like, life is different forever now. We need this song now is the song. It literally threw us right back into I think that was elementary school, like the last year elementary school or the first year of middle school that came out ninety nine. We're like eleven. Two thousand it came out because okay. the album was two thousand one. So right. Oh, so it was two thousand. All right. So it's like seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> Took us right back to it. We're like, we got to do it. We got to do it on the show, right? And it became the thing. And then you know we entered on the showdown a couple different times to different songs, but we eventually decided on that one. And now it just. It just feels like the song. It just feels right. It gets me so pumped up every time. So, guys, what's up? It's Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We are chatting movies. We are chatting pop culture. It is the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking pop culture by the bucketful. If you say pop culture again, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that's what we're at. That's what pop we're up culture. to, guys. So we're chatting action movies and uh, Tropic Thunder. It's funny, of all the ones that we put up to discuss on the show as possibles from last week, this is truly the most actual action movie of them. Oh my gosh, I just forgot how upset I am that McGruber didn't win. <laughs> I was pretty upset the other guys didn't I'm not win. even supposed to be here today. <laughs> I mean, you and I both were like fully championing our favorite action comedy. And we both knew that Tropic was going to win. Yeah, 100%. Which we were excited about. We've got a lot of awesome segments. We even switched our rules around a little bit. So let's tease that. Let's get into this, man. Yeah, I mean, they they literally made an action movie. They have explosions they, like they an action really movie. They really did. Like yeah. real explosions, guns, like the everything. Yeah, it's Props. hilarious. It's, it's fantastic. So guys, we chat action movies here on the show. Those movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules, or in this case... They think they play by their own rules. <laughs> Which is perfect, because Stiller is like, no, no, no. Like, he doesn't know until the very end yeah. when he's getting tortured, when he's like, cut! Cut! <laughs> so good. Damien, cut! Damien, cut! Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, or the dumbest people, in the room. Yeah. And they're all just morons. They're all morons. <laughs> like, Lazarus is the, he's clearly the smartest person of, like, of like self-awareness kind of but yeah. not self-aware at all I, I i say aware of the situation <laughs> yeah but not aware of himself he is just a wonderful character he is incredible unbelievable rule number three the movie is driven by a police military political or mercenary figure <laughs> they're they playing think that military, they're the military. <laughs> and rule number four the movie contains a minimum of one explosion this movie is not short on explosions there not are plenty of them so guys today on the show we are going to do a discussion of, is Ben Stiller overrated, is he underrated, or is he properly rated? Still one that we need to come up with a better title for. We really do. Uh, we, we are going to talk about the AMA question. We had some wonderful questions submitted this week uh, on the Facebook page, on Twitter, which you can find. We'll tease those in just one second. Uh, we are going to discuss quickly 
McGregor versus Mayweather. Yeah, I mean, just why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, it's the biggest fight of the century. Might as well just discuss who we think is going to win. And of course, airing at two o'clock today on Collider, we have the Ultimate Schmodown Tournament Round oh One, which was a tremendously exciting match. I can't wait for you guys to watch it. Uh, that's at two o'clock, so you got to tune in for that. We'll talk about that throughout the episode today a little bit because we are just jazzed. We're so excited. We're playing the janitors over at Collider, which we cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, guys, that's the show today. That's gonna be what we're talking about. So let's uh, let's move on to our our plugs, and then we'll get into thesis statements. So if you guys want to follow along with the show, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. You can find our podcast on Twitter at AMA Podcast. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find our Facebook fan page at the Action Movie Anatomy fan page on Facebook. It's getting very close to 500 members. And like we say every week, we would love to have you there. It's tons of interaction. Um, every Everything that is related to the show and, and action movies gets several to dozens to even 50-plus comments. So Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's a new thing. It took us 100 episodes to start it, and we didn't even start it. We it didn't. Was just, it was Jay Clymer and Eddie and Richard... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jarvi, you know, we had a few of the like the dedicated loyal fans of the show. Thank God they're smarter than we are. <laughs> they were like, we just need to create a place to talk about this stuff that's not just the YouTube comments. And they did. And at the first week, it was like 25 people. And we're like, oh, you know, who who really knows who listens to this show? And then every week, it's like 10 to 25 more people get added. And I thought exciting. it was going to like uh, plateau at like 50, 60. Yeah, I just didn't I know how no many idea. people really wanted to join something to talk. And every week, so we're going to hit 500 people probably. But, I mean, I would think by the end of the day today we'll hit 500 people in the group. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Let's get into the episode. So we're going to start out by watching the trailer to the film and then getting into thesis statement. I love the music. Something happening here. What is Like, this is a real action yeah. movie right now. Yeah, totally. I'm coming, man. <laughs> you die on me, Foley! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can we cut? <laughs> what is going on here? Hey, I'm about to jump out this helicopter like Wesley Snipes. I'm doing the scene right now. Well, I'm see, the scene is about emotionality. Where is it? <laughs> oh, God! I am dealing with a bunch of prima donnas. The action guy. Who left the fridge open? The award winner. Critically acclaimed Australian actor Kirk Lazarus. In order to play the platoon's African American sergeant. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. The comedian. You think you can do what I do? Take a picture of this. This summer. Wanna make this movie right? Nolte is an awesome character in this movie. Just a complete fraud. The movie they think they're making. Exterior, rainforest, dust. The end when they're all like escaping. Yeah. And everyone keeps mentioning, he's like, when did you get hands? And last one, oh fuck, you got hands. Exactly. Let's use it. 
That's one of my favorite moves. The roll? No, when he's got the arm out. The arm out shooting. on the same flight? Excuse me, Kirk, but I've done a lot more big-budget, event-driven films than you have, so I think I know this. Jesus, sorry, man. You all right? You, you leaned into it. You leaned right into that. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> Tropic thunder. To go lost and around just to get up that hill. You know, <laughs> we up in a big leap. That's the theme song for the Jefferson. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You out of your mind. <laughs> what? You really need help. And just because the theme song don't make it not true. <laughs> Unbelievable, guys. Un-fucking-believable. It is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So, guys, we're going to get to the next part of the show here. This is Thesis Statement. Now, if you've watched the show before or you've listened to the show before, you know this is the part of the show where we share a big, bold thought about the film. Something rooted in hyperbole. The greatest this, the only this, the first this. Should never be, this is my favorite Ben Stiller movie, or uh, you know, the best scene in the movie is this. Uh, I guess it could be the best scene, but that's pretty loose. I feel like we really like to talk yeah. about the movie as a whole, or some element of the film that really stands out. And so I'm going to jump in first with mine, because I'm excited about mine. I'm really excited about mine, too. Oh, great. What is it? Uh, I've, I've been uh, thinking a lot about the history of the Oscars recently. And uh, Ben's trying to say <laughs> that he's been obsessing over the Oscars, studying for the Schmodown. And uh, in the process of doing that, I've, I've looked at a lot of the nominations over the years. And I'll tell you, I think that Robert Downey Jr.'s nomination for Best Supporting Actor in Tropic Thunder is the most magnificent Oscar nomination of all time. For an actor, I should say. For an actor or actress. It's the most magnificent acting nomination the Academy has ever awarded. Because, right. like, let's not kid ourselves here, guys. It's Robert Downey Jr. on his comeback tour, coming back from basically being a cast-off from Hollywood, deciding that it was a good idea to go straight blackface. Like, legitimate blackface. And, like, not even blackface in, like, a, in like a this is a drama and we're pointing out that this is offensive It's like a movie. white dude that is unaware of himself being a black dude and how racist he is. And it was like... So funny and so self-referential to Hollywood that it they gave him a Best Supporting Actor nomination. And I don't think there was a chance he was going to win that year. And also, when was the last time an action comedy got its Best Supporting or Best Actor not? The the adventure in the action films so rarely get noms. Like, a few years earlier, you know, you had Johnny Depp get the lead actor nomination for Jack Sparrow. Like, right. It happens, but it's super rare. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, like, such a different type of nomination. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. This is This is like a straight parody movie. And uh, it's crazy that he got the nomination. So, but again, let's not kid ourselves. Laurence Olivier did this in all seriousness in Hamlet, 1965. Exactly. I was, I was hoping you were going to mention that. He actually, and he got a Best Lead Actor nomination for that. Now, the difference between that being incredibly offensive and this being totally hilarious is that that was Laurence Olivier taking himself deadly serious in Othello yeah. in the middle of the Civil Rights Movement in 1965. Whereas this is like Robert Downey Jr. not you said taking Othello himself, and Hamlet. Yeah. Say what? You said both Othello and Hamlet. Did I say Hamlet? Yeah. Oh, and, and then you met Othello. I was yeah, yeah, just yeah. hoping you were going to, yeah. Yeah, Hamlet Just to like clarify for you guys. Two decades earlier. But, uh, <clears throat> like, that was actually offensive. And I guess you could make, you could still draw the conclusion this is an offensive role. I mean, you really could. Like, totally. And, and, you know, we've got people here in the chat that are saying that it's the greatest action comedy ever made, which I, I totally agree with is the thesis. It's because of so much that goes behind it and what it speaks to. And, uh... But yeah, other people are, are with you. They're saying, like, the greatest use of blackface in 21st century. This is uh, done well because 
it's it's making it's poking fun of itself. And like the movie is so aware. Like it honestly, the Lawrence Olivier thing is why this is funny because he totally. because he did that in all seriousness as like a real dramatic role. And this is just straight up making fun of actors in Hollywood taking themselves so seriously that they think they can do anything. Totally. And and it's <clears throat> it's funny because one of the segments we were going to talk about today was and brought up by our AMA questions was talking about if this movie could be done today and I'm going to piggyback on your thesis with my thesis and saying that this is the greatest use of comedy to push social boundaries since since Blazing Saddles. Oh, interesting. It's okay. the greatest use of comedy to push social boundaries since Blazing Saddles. And a, a thing that's similar is Madeline Kahn also got a Best Actress nod for playing her role in that film. Interesting. Um, it wasn't as racist, but it kind of was. It was Her character was ridiculous. Um but the reason I say this is because a lot of the questions we got were about asking if this movie could be done or not today. And a lot of people think Downey would be crucified if he did it now. Uh, it's not that I disagree with the people because I, I can't speak to whether he would or wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he would, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if he wouldn't. But what I do want to say is that this is the type of movie and comedy that we need. This is what comedy is for. Right. This is why we have comedies, is to push social boundaries and then be able to laugh at ourselves. Right. It's so important. You know, I agree. And, and, yeah. and that's what was so great about Blazing Saddles. And it was one of those things, Blazing Saddles, when it came out, even Mel Brooks talked about how they didn't get any positive reviews. People right. were like, they're not going to go watch this shit, this yeah. racist ass shit. Yeah. You know, and it, and it became word of mouth. It's like, this is really interesting. Yeah. And it was the same thing with Tropic Thunder. When I saw the trailers, I was kind of like, what? All right, this could be funny, I guess. And then it was like, holy shit, is that Robert Downey Jr. doing straight up blackface? Yeah. I was, like, offended. Of course. I don't even know why I was offended. I think it was just because, like, I needed to be, you know? I think the question, and we should just answer it now because we've already sort of halfway got, you know, walked into it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the question of could this ever be, could this movie be done again was asked by, uh, I'm going to try this here. I know, it was really rough, and please forgive us. Uh, Thusanth Suntharag. Wow, that is that's a hard name it's a, to say. It's a beautiful Sun Tharalingam. Wow, thank you so much. I am so sorry for saying your name that way. But I'm so glad that you commented from wherever it is that you live. Yes, and so the answer to the question of could the movie be done again today, I think yes, but I don't think that this would be... Like I think so. The the big protest of this film when it came out was the Simple Jack stuff. Um, that <laughs> Which... which is the thing that kind of aged poorly, even though you still laugh. It's funny, but it is in, in terms of, like, low-hanging fruit and not actually doing anything interesting. Whereas the Downey thing is, like, sort of doing something interesting, and it's really making it's making a straight commentary on something that is still a sensitive subject, and it was a sensitive subject at the time, mm -hmm. which is why on earth would you have a white person playing a pr prime role for someone who isn't white? Like, don't do it. Yeah, That's and... The, like, come on. Like, cast somebody who isn't white in the role. And Hollywood has done this. There's a lot of... The last 10 years has seen a it's tremendous amount of whitewashing. all the time. Um, but that's why this is funny, and they're poking fun at Hollywood. And the whole movie is poking fun at Hollywood, so that's why it works. Whereas the Simple Jack stuff... It's just kind of like... It's yeah. cheap. You know? Yes. A little cheap. It's funny, but it is cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. So, so, so. you think... So you think, yes, this movie could be done now, but... I think in specifically today, like 2017, I think that the Downey character would be pretty frowned upon. It's not a good mm -hmm. time for that right yeah, now. Yeah, it's really rough. Tensions right now. are very high right now, and I don't think, you know, you saw you talk about pushing social boundaries. I feel like we've been pushed pretty far in the other direction at the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't think the audience really wants to go out there and see a white person playing a black person and us laughing about it. That just doesn't strike me as 2017. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think a lot of people. Agree as well, and the, and they say that 
even though it is the the uh, simple Jack character that is more distasteful. It is the Lazarus character that probably couldn't be replicated today. And and I agree. And it's kind of a bummer that I agree because I wish that I didn't have to. Yeah. Because I really, again, with my thesis, you, that's what I think comedy is for. Um, but you also got to know your audience. Yeah. And ten years ago was a little bit different of a time. Totally. So uh, let's uh, let's continue moving through the show, guys. The next part of the show is fist pump moment. This is that moment something happens in the movie. You look around, you're just like, are you seeing this right now? This is so awesome. I'm so excited to watch the rest of this movie. This is amazing. Uh, and this movie definitely, I mean, we've never done an action comedy intentionally. You know, somebody on the Facebook group mentioned Nice Guys is an action comedy. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's actually funny because when we did the Nice Guys, <clears throat> uh, it was just a comedy. We didn't think of it because it was Shane Black, so we were like, you know, Lethal Weapon Predator. We were like, we're going to get into this, and this isn't going to be a straight comedy, but it really is just a comedy. Like, there's a couple shootouts, but you never, ever feel... No. Just like in this movie, I mean, I guess you don't really ever worry about anybody, but, like, dying, like, there's no stakes, really. Yeah. But for, it just is a very different feel. I think the big difference there is that of the three films we proposed, MacGruber, The Other Guys, and Tropic Thunder, all three of them are distinct parody films making fun of the action genre. That's what they're all. They're all. They're all right. rooted in what this whole genre has been about. What the last two years of shows for us have been talking about, which is why the payoff now, two years later, for us talking about them is so much greater because we've intellectualized all of the absurd things in these action movies. <laughs> nice Guys is like a truly original comedy film. It's like not really relying on all of the the things that make these movies funny. Totally, totally. And this one has it, and I'm going to mention it right now, is when, you know, Richard Jarvis <laughs> in the chat talking about when Ben Stiller shoots the M16 one-handed, which yeah. you mentioned, which is just like, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing. And like, you know, Lazarus does it again later when he's like, oh, get some, and he shoots two. <laughs> and he's just like turning and shooting. It's just so stupid. And the C4, uh, oh, God. I think okay, so I'm going to jump in with my fist pump moment right yeah, now, and I originally wanted to go with the first time that you see Lazarus in the contacts yeah. in the trailer, because yeah. like I'd heard before watching the movie, like oh the trailers are the best part, and I was like, well, okay, trailers are, yeah, I didn't really get it, yeah, and of then course. you know the movie starts and you see him, and I well, when I saw Downey, I died, but I think my real fist pump is when Cooper gets blown up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. <laughs> they give this big, long speech, and you think shit's going to get together, and then he just blows up. You're like, what the f-? And you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I want out of this movie. Yeah. And then, of course, Stiller, like, picks his head up and licks it. And yeah, it's just like, it's, oh. it's excellent. So that was mine, because that was that was when I was, like, in the world. Yeah, and totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, this is Nigel Cockburn. Is that his Nigel name? Nigel Cockburn. <laughs> Excellent or no, name. Damien, Damien Cockburn. Damien Cockburn. Uh, I think my fist bump moment is... So the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, we can all agree, are pretty spectacular. Yeah. Like, they could have existed as their own 15 or 20 minute film, and they it would have still totally been like, this is amazing. Because it's it does everything you want. It establishes the absurdity of everything, how seriously they're taking it. The, MTV's the, best kiss of winter yeah, 2000. Totally. The trailers into the thing, and you don't even really need the rest of the movie, because I honestly, tr- I truly think... The rest of the movie's worse than the first twenty minutes. Like I think you get everything you want. You get all of the funny stuff. You get you get Downey doing plenty of Downey. Mm-hmm. You get like the trailers. You get every character. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think the rest of the movie's bad. I just mean I think the first twenty is clearly the best part of the movie. You wouldn't get Cruz. This is true, and that is the one that is the one part of the rest of the movie that's like brilliant. He's so good. Is this like, is this the greatest surprise role by Cruz ever? This might just be the greatest surprise role by an actor ever. He's the biggest movie star of all time, and he dances with fat hands and a fake headpiece. And he's such a prick. And nobody knew that he was going to be in it. 
There was a there was yeah, one me. leaked piece of news that his lawyers had taken down immediately. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, because when I saw it, I lost my shit because you see McConaughey first. In 2008 when I saw this movie in theaters, guys, this is how like not a big a Tom Cruise fan I was then compared to now. I didn't even realize it was Tom Cruise. What? Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't even realize it was Tom Cruise after the movie. Somebody pointed it out to me, and I felt like I got hit in the face with a ton of bricks. Like that's unbelievable. Two thousand eight. Like I was, I was a Cruise fan, but like I didn't grow up the biggest Cruise fan. Yeah, neither of us did. Yeah, um, we've grown to love him. We've grown to love him. Oh, I have a good story for you, Richard Eric Jarvis story. That's fantastic. Um, I almost felt like want to play the recording on the show. Um, so, so we were talking about fist pump moments, and my fist pump moment is during that opening sequence. When Downey goes to save Stiller, and mm-hmm. they do the they do the platoon knockoff, oh, right. where Stiller's like getting knocked around a bunch of times, <laughs> he's shot like twenty times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is funny too, by the way, because historically, with actually that scene in Platoon, uh, the the take they use in the movie is the reason that like it's it looks so weird is because the blood packets exploded early of Willem oh, Dafoe. Oh, so he's like moving, and, and so it looks like he's getting shot extra times than he is, and it's a little bit out of sequence. But the shot was so perfect that they decided to use the take, and that's the that's right. the definitive shot. It's on the cover of the movie. Uh, I want to just do this real quick. We're gonna go to this camera. Hey, late to the party. How's it going? Hey, what's up, late to the party? How you guys doing? You excited for your first round of the tournament? We wish you the best of luck because we really, really want Critically Acclaimed to get destroyed. Yeah, we do. Unfortunately, you're going to lose because Critically Acclaimed's a better team. Yeah. Anyway, we're glad that you're here. (laughs) Glad to see you. Just kidding, guys. Maybe I'm kidding. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Uh, He is totally (laughs) kidding. We're so happy that you guys are there. Shut up. No. Um, Again, with the Schmodown coming out today, late to the party, we'll be doing a reaction video, I think. So check out their channel. They are some of the coolest, nicest people around. And they also just really helped our record. Um, We really appreciate that. (laughs) It's definitely the wild match, our late to the party match. If you guys watching the show didn't watch it, Go watch it because it is it is awesome. Yeah, and crazy. And it's the highest scoring match in the history of the team Shmoda, and they're fantastic people. Yeah. So, uh, what is your fist pump moment, Bateman? It's during that's the beginning. There's sequence. so much water on the desk. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? to you? I just bumped it because I'm so excited. <laughs> You're sweating, aren't you? I'm not yet. Uh, so it's when it's when Stiller is like getting knocked around, and Downey's like, "We gotta save him" or whatever he does. <laughs> and he like, but like even the way that Downey runs in this movie, yeah, it's it's like he's running as what he thinks that. Black yeah. character would run <laughs> or something. Like. I don't know if he's running with a limp or something. What it is? No, he's just. It's. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's like he starts running and then he he does the like he like shoots behind his back or he's like get some. And he like does yeah. that. <laughs> get and, he's, and I love that he's got the like the rifle, but he pulls out the handgun. <laughs> yeah. Something about the way that he's holding it while he runs is just beautiful. And then he like goes and he's he's sitting there with Stiller. That whole sequence, and then when he's with Stiller and he's like you. My- like, hold my hands and he brings his hands up and they're gone um, that sequence is my favorite sequence in the whole movie he pulls his hands up and they're gone yeah that's fantastic and then Cockburn is like when he gets up he's like scene's about emotionality where is it <laughs> it's like just incredible oh yeah I, in the cutting I just love that because Downey's like he's crying he's yeah. literally just like blubbering <laughs> in his face uh, yeah. all right. What's <laughs> It's getting real high. You got Portnoy hanging in the background. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. We're about okay. to get into star profiles. We're going to talk about Downey and Stiller. We're going to talk about Stiller over under proper. But um, a few people mentioned, and I think I have it here in the, uh, yeah, and, and it's mentioned again in the chat. But Jeff Roberts via Facebook, thanks again, Jeff, says, why does Jack Black get so little attention for his role in this film? 
And the reason I want to talk about that, uh, not only is it a good question, but it's because when I was watching the movie, he's my least favorite character by a mile, even yeah. over Jay Baruchel. Well, look, Baruchel. Jay Baruchel, Baruchel and, wow. It's a, I, I know, I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like the sketch or something. It's, it's like just, we talked about. Like, every time I look over, there's more water. Excuse me. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think I think I agree with you. So uh, Jay Baruchel, and then who's what's the name of the guy that plays Al Pacino? Uh, Is it Frank something? No, it's Michael. I God damn it! So I, I don't like know a, why I forget his name every time. Like just Frank keep going. A something. Or, yeah. Anyway, um, so really, the the stars of the movie, the like the three people you're supposed to pay attention to, right, are Downey, Stiller, and Black. Mm-hmm. I think Jack Black's pretty clearly the third. Brandon T. Jackson. Brandon T. Jackson. Yeah, he's he's pretty clearly like the third star in the movie, but they definitely were going for a for a parody. You know, for each character, they really wanted each of them to feel like somebody we recognized. So. Uh, in Downey's case, he was based on Russell Crowe. Uh, there was three people that he's based on. It was like Russell Crowe, Colin Farrell, and so, and Daniel Day-Lewis. That was it. Okay. So Kirk Lazarus bases his character on those three. Jack Black was loosely supposed to be based on Chris Farley, but then you also can see that he's doing the Chris Farley and the Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, thing. yeah. Because totally. the whole stuff of the fatties. And like, which, okay, I will say Jeff Portnoy is one of the greatest names ever. It's a great name. <laughs> The problem is, in the same way that, I, like, you experience this with comedy a lot because you do so much improv. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when you introduce a joke the first time, like, when you go to it the first time, if it's a really good joke, mm-hmm. it gets a little less funny each time you go to it if it's if it's delivered the same way. Right? Now, if you go to it the first right. time and you tease it and then you come back to it with a great callback at the end of a movie or something, it can be fantastic. But his character is pretty much one note from the minute you see him at the beginning of the movie. Totally. He's like fart jokes and then a cokehead. Yeah. The funniest thing you get, like literally the funniest part is like the fatties is funny. Like the, the trailer, that's funny. And then when they're doing the whole like tabloid stuff, it's kind of funny. And then after that, it's just the same thing over and over again. The whole like heroin problem is just like. It's like, it's like not that funny. No. You know, like in the whole like the, the water buffalo scene and him running away with the kid and all that. It's just kind of like, it's just, it feels forced. Well, here's, here's something I'll introduce because we're going to get into, well, actually I'll, I'll save this because we're going to have a conversation about Stiller. Okay, yeah, so I was going to say it feels forced, but it's not that Jack Black does a bad job. No, he does. He, he does, does a good he job. Did, he does a good job. And I think Jack Black's very funny. And 2008, when was this for Jack Black? This is like, this is post School of Rock. Yeah. It was 2006 or I think it five? Was earlier. Or no, I want to say that four. was like three maybe. Yeah. Something right in there. It's like pretty early 2000s. And, and Tenacious D and the pick, and Destiny. The pick of Destiny came out. Yeah, that's 2006. So what it was was that Tenacious D was blowing up. Yeah. Because that was the time that the Flight of the Concords and all that was getting big. Yeah. So Jack Black was blowing up in the world, and I feel like he hosted something really big. He, his big run was like five years. I think Kung Fu Panda's around the same time yeah. here. Uh-huh. But like, definitely this is right in the heart of it. So it was sort of like, okay, we're going to put three of the biggest names together. And so he got that top billing, but at the end of the day... His character just wasn't as interesting. It just it was sort of like you didn't really need a third. Yeah, it was just kind of one-dimensional. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. He does a good enough job. Let's get into star profiles. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Robert Downey Jr. first because he's the most interesting star profile for this yeah, movie. Yeah, this is like you're literally lighting the fuse to the rocket right now, I think, that is like, yeah. Oh, yeah. going his, into the stratosphere. Because his – so, all right, let's, let's just go back a little bit to history. So Downey Jr., he comes from a famous family. He, in the late 80s, he's breaking through with a bunch of movies. He's in a bunch of stuff, like tons of stuff in the mid to mm-hmm. late 80s. He's one of those names that everybody knows. 91, it's 90 or 91, he gets the Oscar nom for Chaplin. And right. he looks like he's this guy. He's breaking through. 
Late 90s comes. We both know him from U.S. Marshals. He had like a drug or something? Yeah, he had a lot of Major problems. drug problems. Major Hooker drug problems. problems. He's like, I think he's the guy that like passed out in some random person's backyard and they found him passed out with his shirt off or something. He had had a lot of problems. He awesome. went to rehab. People yeah. wouldn't work with him. And in the mid 2000s, he has this. He starts to be on the comeback tour. I think he's in Gothica. If I, I think, recall. I think RDJ is the greatest comeback in Hollywood. Ever. Yeah, because he's one of the top ten stars alive right now. I mean, like he's such a big star that the biggest production company in the world can't afford him. Yep, like that's how big he is. Yeah, we we've got a friend who's working on the uh, in the, in the Marvel franchise, and I've I've heard stories of like. He's a super nice guy, but like when he's working, it's like an RDJ day. Like yeah. it's like a, it's a very much like a, everything is about him. Yeah, it's like he's totally professional and he shows up and he knows his stuff and he's great. But it's like the level of stardom is like very clear. He's yeah. like he is the pinnacle of that franchise. Yeah, and this is not a spoiler by any means, but there's just been rumors of him getting killed off in the franchise because he's too expensive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, um, I mean, he's he's done after right. He's he's said. That's yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, but so RDJ, and so that's where he's at in his career. And this is literally Iron Man's the same year. So Charlie Bartlett's 07, Lucky yeah. You's 07. The reason you guys don't really know those movies very well, Charlie Bartlett's a good movie. Yeah, but I mean, they're yeah. It's oh not yeah, Iron no, no, Man. for sure. <laughs> is because he was kind of on the comeback tour. He was doing, I believe, a guide to recognizing your saints is like 2005, maybe. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I like that movie a lot. It's a really good movie. But again, that was like a pretty under the radar drama. He was really trying to get back on the horse, and mm-hmm. and Sherlock Holmes is right around here it's like within a year i think i think he might be does it the next year and he just for a couple years there he just went back and forth between playing iron tony stark and sherlock holmes and uh, and then his career now is just stratosphere yeah he, he's incredible and so on the other end of that you have ben stiller who was kind of i mean ben stiller's been an a-list actor for as long as i can remember basically like it was probably around our early teens that he just started to kind of blow up was Zoolander 99 or 2000 a little later I think it's like one yeah that sounds right 2001 sounds right so we're we're, we're you know 12 13 around then yep and um so basically for our whole life he's kind of been a superstar but it's interesting because he's never been like the guy yeah he, like you know he was never like Jim Carrey Chris Farley Adam Sandler but he was like very very close always like right behind those guys totally so he did Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny 2006 Night at the Museum 2006 and The Heartbreak Kid in 2007 all of those were big movies yeah The Heartbreak Kid wasn't very good but it had a big cast Malin Ackerman was huge from doing Watchmen and I think like, Along Came Polly is probably a oh, year yeah. before this it's so like again, 2004 he's getting these leading roles in all these big movies Night at the Museum Along Came Polly Zoom Zoolander, Zoolander 2, you know, it's, I mean, that's obviously very recent, but, so that begins this conversation of, of, is Ben Stiller over, under, properly rated? Yeah, so I think if we're trying to answer the question, is Ben Stiller overrated, underrated, or properly rated, you really have to think about where he was when this movie came out, where he was 10 years before it, and where he is now. (laughs) Ben Stiller's career, really, has been a thing since about 1990. Mm -hmm. He... I found success early with the Ben Stiller show in 1990 after appearing in films. The show was canceled after one season. He wrote most of the sketches and starred in it, but then it was, no- it was nominated for an Emmy. And it's so funny. The, we've, we've actually featured it on the show. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, the 90s proceeded to be a, a weird sort of in-between where he couldn't figure out, am I a dramatic actor? Am I a writer? Am I a director? Am I a comedic actor? And that's what the whole beginning of the 90s was. It's not really until the mid-90s when he breaks out. He directs Reality Bites in 95. In 98, he's in Something About Mary. He's got that that mid to late 90s run. And then that's when you've got Meet the Parents kicks off. And you've got Zoolander in 01. And then he becomes part of the frat pack. And that whole thing happens. Mm -hmm. 
so that whole part of his career, I think you can easily say at the time, he was probably properly rated because the movies were all very successful, and he was always a top five comedy name during that time. Definitely. It's the last ten years that really changes the perspective, I think. So, now that you've introduced it, how do you feel? I think at this point, Ben Stiller is underrated. Really? I think at this point, yeah. I mean, he gets Zoolander 2 which is so late. So late. Yeah. Still. Yeah, I think he's underrated because... And he still gets everyone to come back, including Will Ferrell. Yeah. I, here's the reason I think Ben Stiller's underrated. Um, ben Stiller is a writer, director, and actor who's made films that have totaled $2.6 billion in box office receipts. I think the average, his average film he's involved in have made $73 million. And he's been making movies since, like, 1991. Yeah. So... I don't think the world really quite appreciates or understands the level of talent there. I think they see Ben Stiller and they think Ben Stiller, he's, you know, he's uh, Gaylord Fokker. And they think he's Night at the Museum guy and he's Zoolander and that's what he is. And he's, he's that guy who, who plays the one note of being unreasonably angry really well. And he's kind of funny, but he's always a little less funny than you want him to be. It always yeah. feels like he's trying a little hard. But what you don't realize is that he, in a lot of cases, wrote the movie and directed the movie and produced the movie. He was behind all of it. Like, and that's where I think people don't get it, is that he's so much more talented than most of his counterparts. Yeah, and, <clears throat> I mean, when you put it that way, he, he, I mean, he's a superstar. He's exactly what you talk about, and he figured it out 20 years ago, when it's like, you need to be able to do everything in this business. Um, but, that being said, I think that Stiller's had an incredible career. You know, you talk about Zoolander, and Meet the Parents, and Reality Bites, and then you go into Tropic Thunder, and, you know, everything that you just said. right. And then you have Zoolander come out, Zoolander 2 comes out, I mean, and it's it's pretty goddamn terrible. Yes, bad. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't, it, I don't think it tarnishes his career at all. No. I don't think that the next thing that comes out with Ben Stiller in it, you're like, well, Zoolander 2 sucked. It's not like we were really expecting it to be a great film. We were just kind of hoping. Yeah. But the guy gets the opportunity to, to do everything and yeah. anything. And, and he is one of the most respected and most successful comedian or comedic actors ever. So, like... As much as I hear what you're saying, and I think he does need to get more respect, I think he gets a shitload of, as it is, Yeah, and I think that he is properly rated. Okay, you think he's properly rated? Totally. I thought you were going towards overrated for no, a second. No, not at all. And I don't I think he's overrated. I could see that argument, too. Yeah. Because he's fantastic. I mean, he is, he is very good, but there is that thing that you say that he's never as funny as you really want him to be, and there's only a few times, like, in Dodgeball. Like, yeah. I think Dodgeball is probably his greatest role. But you, we've always said this. It's it's this, it's the same role as heavyweights. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say. So I think if you take all of our favorite comedians, the guys that have made us laugh the most in our life, it's like, oh my god. And him and, and uh, Stardew. Thank you for reminding me. Him and Happy Gilmore. Yeah, he's amazing. He's so good. What a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous looking trophy you have there. That's so good. <laughs> uh, tidy there. He's uh. Well, and then he has the so okay. This is what I was gonna say. Like most of the comedians that we love, the people that are the funniest in the movies, at the end of the day, they have one or two characters that we remember. That's that's what it really is. Is they yeah. maybe they have maybe they have ten characters that they did at Groundlings when they were training or something like that. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the stuff they get featured in movies to do, they have basically one character, like the one thing they go to that's the money in the bank. When they get brought in as a cameo in a movie, that's what they do. And sometimes if they're lucky, if they're a really talented comedic actor. They'll have two or three really ridiculous characters that people remember them for. And I feel totally. like with Stiller... And all the greatest have them, for sure. I feel like with Stiller, he, he kind of plays that a little bit annoyed... Um, 
okay. Like he plays uncomfortable. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little uncomfortable. He plays the straight man a and he plays perturbed. Yeah. the unreasonably angry guy. Yeah. And that's like th- those are like the two things that he does. And like it's weird because even if you go back as far as the early 90s, if you go back to the Ben Stiller show, like when they would do like parody sketches of like you know like a sexy perfume commercial for like a garden hose right he's like the hunky guy with the six-pack who's like got the garden hose and i think to some degree he just got caught in a little bit of this place early in his career of is this guy a leading man is he a dramatic actor who's like handsome or is he a comedian and yeah he because quite got away from it because people the other great comedians that you talk about didn't really have to struggle with that no james carrey yeah. chris farley adam sandler all these people they were never i mean did Adam Sandler have a phase of like being sexy? Not really, right? Like no, he was just like he was, he a was comedian. just like funny, and like people thought he was hot because he was funny. He didn't try to get into dramatic acting in the same way that Jim Carrey didn't try to get into it until, until like later ten on. years into their career, yeah. like when they had already had like comedic hit after hit after hit after hit. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so let's move on. I mean, you, to production development and how this movie was made and who made it. And you, you talked a lot about Ben Stiller, $2.6 billion worldwide. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, 13 episodes of his own sketch show. He created the Ben Stiller show. Is there anything else that we should talk about with him? Well, I think, so let's talk about the writers as a group here because I okay. think this is pretty interesting. Oh, Mystery Men too. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. I think this is pretty interesting. So <laughs> Justin Theroux is quietly like the most under the radar yeah massive star in Hollywood. That's like what I was realizing as I was reading about this and thinking about it. So a lot of you guys don't know this. Justin Theroux co-wrote Zoolander with Stiller. He came up with the idea with Stiller to like fully do this whole idea of actors, you know, filming a fake movie. Uh, Justin Theroux is married to Jennifer Aniston. Yes, I knew that. Uh, He just starred in The Leftovers. He's got roles in movies over the years that you guys would remember. He plays Bryce, the best friend of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Mm-hmm. He's in Mulholland Drive as the director who's being forced to choose the wrong actress. He's in, like, Inland Empire. He's in Miami Vice. He's in The Girl on the Train. Like, he's a legitimate, like, big-time Very actor. Very successful actor. Big-time movies. Yeah. He's also written this movie, co-wrote Zoolander 2, co-wrote Iron Man 2. Like, the guy is a stud. He's straight up just a star. Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, anyone? (laughs) Uh, And so I think that's kind of crazy. He co-wrote this movie with Ben Stiller. Now, Stiller, we mentioned, obviously, he's been behind all these things. I think there's there's another really, really interesting writing credit on this. Eton Cohen. Yeah, Eton Cohen. Like this guy, it's it, you think he would just he just kind of came out of nowhere, but he's he's worked in this comedy era with Madagascar, so he's worked with Stiller before, or I mean, I guess this is post. Yeah, actually, at the same time, and then Men in Black Three, which was kind of god awful. Yep. Um, why do you think they brought this dude on board, Eton Cohen? Uh, the way that I can read this here, and and I didn't, I didn't dive too deep yeah, into Eton Cohen. Uh, it struck me as when I was reading all of the history of how this movie got made. He feels like he's the rewrite guy or the script doctor. And especially if you look at the movies that he's worked on, whether you're talking about Madagascar 2, Tropic Thunder, Men in Black 3, he feels like a guy who probably did a good job on something at one point and then was brought on to work on TV and film as like a doctor to help gotcha. like tighten the script up. Because he has some TV credits as well. Um, but it's pretty clear, like, Ben Stiller had a small part in Empire of the Sun in 1987, which is where he got the idea to make this movie. And okay. then he brought it up with Justin Theroux years later, and they they sort of developed this like you know full script. And the original idea was to send a group of guys 
to one of these like military boot camps that the actors go to and they're like i really felt like we were in the military because right. stiller was like you idiots like you're not soldiers like soldiers are american heroes you're actors at a boot camp um and and he was you know because they were laughing because like they had all these friends who had been in these movies over the years that had done that sort of thing like yeah okay that's great so they referenced like all these movies they wanted to spoof you know apocalypse now and full metal jacket platoon. and platoon and hamburger hill and like all these very famous movies and so that's where the movie came from so as far as director, it's you know it's Stiller. He's been directing movies since '94. He directed The Cable Guy. Did you realize yeah. that? I did. I, I didn't know that. Did not know. It was that. written by Apatow, I think, and directed by Stiller. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's not a movie I know well. I actually love that movie. Really? I know it really well. Broderick. Um, yeah, Zoolander. Zoolander. You know who too. plays uh, Broderick's love interest in the movie? Meg Ryan. No. Uh, it's uh, Apatow's Apatow's girl. Oh, uh, what's her name? Um, Blondie. Uh, Come on, man. You got this. I know. Come on, man. You got this. Come on, man. Uh, you're literally showing me up on the show right I'm now. I'm saying her Less last name. Less than man. Year. There you go. Trying to tell the screen. God damn it. Thanks, Marissa. Hey, Marissa. How you doing? <laughs> What's up, Marissa? How you doing? <laughs> Look, man, that's not good for us. Oh, sorry. What'd yeah. you say, Marissa? I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about this movie? But all I really remember was inappropriateness that was so brilliant. Yeah. Back at, and this is like 10 years ago now. So, but I just remember inappropriateness that was brilliant. That's, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. Uh, so before we get into the money here, let's talk. Uh, let's talk really quickly about the producers. We got Stuart Cornfeld, Stiller, and uh, Eric McLeod. Yeah, it's basically Red Hour Productions mm-hmm. and DreamWorks Pictures uh, partnered together to do this film. They are best known. It's Stiller's company, and uh, they're best known for comedies like Zoolander, Dodgeball, Tropic Thunder, Why Him. They've got a few others in there, like they did that movie The Ruins. A few movies that are kind of in the horror genre, but late to the party, beat you to it. Very good, late to the party. They're still in the chat, huh? Of course they are. Be nice. I love late to the party. <laughs> no, I know. I'm impressed you guys are here. Thank I know. I'm you. so happy you guys are here. It's because everyone's just dying to watch the match. Two, nothing yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, I know. So uh, excited. All right. So getting the money here. The studio that produced this was Paramount, uh, which is now DreamWorks. Um, it was $92 million to make, which was probably just a lot of star power and explosions, which we didn't talk about Danny McBride at all, who was so great. Oh, this. yeah. And this is really, this is totally in the heart of Danny McBride becoming a somebody. Yeah, he's like trying. Hot Rod's like the year before. I want to say the Foot Fist Way is probably like 06 or 07. Foot Fist Way. Remember that movie? Oh, my God. I totally forgot that movie existed. Was it like Diedrich Bader or whatever plays I, the... I don't even remember. Plays okay. the uh, the trainer or whatever? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, it cost $92 million to make. It opened August 13th of 2008. It grossed $110 million domestically, an additional 77 worldwide for a grand total of $188 million, just barely doubling what it cost to make, which is very surprising to me. And yeah. I think it, a lot of it has to do with its, its odd marketing and the blackface in the trailer. I honestly do. Yeah, it was the 23rd highest grossing film domestically that year. Um, you know, definitely not as successful, I think, as a lot of people wanted. It's funny, you know, Downey was in the number two highest grossing film that year, which was Iron Man. Yeah. And, uh, what was the number one? Offhandedly, 2008. I'm not sure if I can remember. I'm just I'm just surprised Iron Man wasn't. Yeah. Oh, The Dark Knight, 100%. Oh, yeah. 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 Dark Knight sure. was one and Iron Man was two. Um, so, awesome year for movies, actually. Yeah, it was a great year. And that was another thing that we wanted to talk about was the um, supporting class, which we'll get into right after this. Yeah. With the uh, critical reception. So, yeah, this movie has a 7.0 on IMDb. Uh, it's 82, 78, and 70, respectively, for uh, top, for critics, top critics, and audience, which is funny. I can't believe the audience score on this is the lowest 
Rotten Tomatoes score. Me too. And it also has, a, obviously, an Oscar nomination for Downey. Um, I don't really get it. I, I honestly don't. Yeah. At all. Yeah, me I just either. don't understand. I don't have any words for it. It's, it's funny that it's the exact same as IMDb's. I don't think that's ever happened where the audience score is the exact same score that IMDb gives it, even though they're rated differently. Um, I, you know, here's, here's my theory on this. Um, this movie touches on makes fun of two very, very, very sensitive social issues, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the Simple Jack character being a challenged character is funny if you don't have someone in your family who, you know, is, is a challenged person. It's it's funny if it doesn't touch you personally in a way that makes you feel embarrassed to laugh. But if it does, I can see not liking this movie. I can see giving this totally. movie a bad review. And I think the same can be said for the Robert Downey Jr. character. You know, comedy's funny if you think it's funny, and it's offensive if you think it's offensive. And I think there's a lot of people that were pretty offended by this movie. The Simple Jack fake movie website that was up to promote this movie along with, you know, Al Pacino has his energy drink booty sweat. They sold that. That was a real product for sale. Uh, You know, the Simple Jack stuff. And then there was a, uh, I think it was called, like, Make My Skin Pretty was a fake website about getting uh, pigmentation surgery. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And this was all promoted, and all of this was part of the marketing campaign behind this movie. And I do think that that stuff was funny, but also like offended a lot of people. And I think that's probably why the audience score, you know, the audience is not, it's not their job to critically analyze this and talk about why being self-referential to Hollywood is good Whether you like it or not. It's like how it made you feel. It made me feel like a six. Right. You know, exactly. Like, I think, I think that's really tough. If like, if your brother's autistic and you watch this movie, you probably don't want to give it a good review, period. Like, it's probably not funny to you. Yeah. Cause it's just cheap humor. When yeah. everything else is so highbrow and intelligent. And I think that that's why this movie probably doesn't get the credit from the audience that it otherwise might. Um, that's just my theory. I think that's a great... Yeah, I, I got nothing else to say. So let's get into favorite line. This is like an excellent, excellent segment for this movie. And we're going to start off with my favorite line because it's basically this, this whole segment. Yeah. But I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what it is. Marissa, we got a couple minute clip here to queue up, guys, because the worst thing is hearing Ben and I regurgitate great comedy. <laughs> This scene is fantastic. His fucking <laughs> face <laughs> is so just like pompous. And why am I in this movie? Maybe I just knew I had to represent. Because they had one good part in for a black man, they gave it to Crocodile Dundee. That man's a national treasure. You know that's a true story? Wait, woman, baby got eaten by a dingo. Hey, fellas, it's hot. We're tired. It stinks. I'm fucking with you, kangaroo Jack. I'm sorry a dingo ate your baby. You know that's a true story? They lost a kid. You about to cross some fucking lines. <laughs> hey, relax. You know what? Fuck that, man. I'm sick of this koala-hugging nigga. Tell him he's... <laughs> <laughs> he slaps him. Favorite line. For 400 years. <laughs> that word has kept us down. <laughs> Brandon T. Jackson is excellent. That's the theme song for the Jefferson. You really need help. And just because the theme song don't make it not true. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Alright, Rosa, thank you so much. Just because the theme song don't make it not true. <laughs> Yeah, the the look on his face before is unbelievable. Yes, it's just like he is such a good actor, man. He I, really is. I can't believe the ability to do this role and like just 
yeah, it's just incredible. <laughs> and we don't, and we're not even talking. Like we have literally not even talked about going full soloist. We no. haven't talked about it once, which and is one of our favorite segments. It's arguably the funniest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, really, it's the it's the most referenced scene in the whole movie. When we covered uh, collateral, collateral with our with our buddy um, John Sheck, who is a, he's a very very vocal person online about uh, dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked a little bit on here about learning his lines. And about how he it takes him longer to learn lines because he's dyslexic. So he's definitely somebody who is a very, very vocal member of the community talking about uh, having any any kind of difficulty like that. And we were like crying, laughing, watching yeah. that scene on the episode. And I think the conversation we had that episode was actors that go full soloist, yeah, trying like, to win the Oscar. And that you know, I think we talked about Jamie Foxx going in the in the soloist, in the soloist, and so was, Cuba Gooding in radio. Yeah, there's and there's like you know classic examples. He talks about I am Sam in the movie here. <laughs> And Which that, is funny because Sean Penn got a nod for that. Yeah, and the scene, like the sequence, is so good. Like Stiller and like wait, the way, and, like the stuff that Downey's saying to him. Yeah. Oh yeah, you really swung for the fence with that one. <laughs> swung for the uh, really quickly here, uh, Joel Hammond, our buddy, is saying, "Have either of you seen the commentary? It needs to be discussed." RDJ stays in character the whole time. <laughs> yeah, during right. the commentary, I haven't seen it because uh, he has the one line in the movie that he doesn't drop the he doesn't yeah. drop the uh, the so, character until the DVD commentary. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, my other quick favorite line is when. Jack Black kind of has this moment of clarity. He's like, I was doing this low-budget titty film on Skinamax. You remember it? <laughs> Jay Baruch was like, it's just, it's just a great little, like, it's like everyone knew it. Everyone knew that film. Everyone's seen that. You know, it was just a fun line for me. Uh, my, my favorite line in this movie is when Al Pacino says the thing about Lance, and he's talking about Lance Bass, and they're all they're all giving him shit about it, and Downey's like, come on, man, it's Hollywood. Everybody's gay sometimes. <laughs> Like, the, the brilliance of stuff like that is, like, you, you guys it's, are all in Hollywood all the time, so everything that's in the script is, like, that's, like, a funny thing people say in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, totally. And that's, like, in, like, his his delivery of, like, patronizing and condescending at yeah. the same time is, like, fall in the butt, fall in the bathtub, laughing your ass off, you know, things like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Problem being retarded, not being retarded, so you don't know you're retarded. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, just the way he just, like, kind of, like, goes on. And he's so good. He's so good. Forrest Gump, he won a ping pong competition, slow, maybe, retarded, no way. No way, no way. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, we're going to get into our anime question next, guys. We already answered, can a movie like this ever be done again? Um, and we we don't think so uh, as much as we think that it should be, if that makes sense. Uh, why does Jack Black get so little attention for his role in this film? We, uh, we covered that as well. We think it's just because he's kind of a one-dimensional character as much as we think he does a great job. Um, the other leads, and honestly, everyone else around it just has more depth. Yeah. And lastly, <clears throat> from our good friend Mike Cohen, uh, he's at MC Cohen or M Cohen seventy six via Twitter. He said, "Should Stiller have used real action stars instead of comedians?" Well, I think it's a funny question for multiple reasons. I like that question. Yeah, definitely. Um, at the time, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't an action star. Robert Downey Jr. became an action star. He became a huge action star. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, Tom Cruise, huge action star. <laughs> ben Stiller, a fake action star. Yeah. Uh, I like I I guess the comedian character even, even Jack Black gets his arm blown off in the Jackal. Really? Yeah. And then he gets blown up. I've never seen the Jackal. It's a big it's a large caliber gun. Wow. It's a very good movie. Uh, cool. We should cover that on the show <laughs> soon. Anyway, the sorry. Jackal. Uh yeah, so I I don't think this movie would have been funnier cuz you can't like I'm sorry, putting putting uh who like what's who's an action star that you would even begin to think might have the chops to, to pull off Downey? Right, like you would have to just put, I think, snipes. A, yeah, but then it, you lose the whole comedy behind the role. But then it's just not funny. It's unless not funny snipes, at all. unless snipes 
is playing Whiteface right. in the real in his like real world Kirk Lazarus character, which could also be and I think would be less offensive to people, which is fucked up to say. Yeah, no, it would be, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Now, I, okay, so yeah, my thing is, it's the exact same point that you have. It's the precipice is Downey. Yeah, there's no action star that I think has the chops to do it. <laughs> Statham would be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> with the accent. Oh god. Um, so we love the question. I, I think I'd love to see a short, like maybe they reenact one scene of it. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, so, so moving on to this next part of the show, uh, well, two things. First of all, I mentioned this earlier, and I just want to point it out. So on Anchor, I was doing a show every day for a while called uh, Fist Bump Film Club, which I stopped doing. But um, I was counting down my 50 favorite films of all time on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. and I brought it back a couple weeks ago. So I've been counting the list down. I saw yesterday you did a Truman Show, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, Number 40? Number 40, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I'm 10 deep now. And so and I've had a bunch of the listeners of this show who have been calling in with theirs. And Richard Eric Jarvie last week called in with his number 41, and this was my favorite thing. So uh, he says in the beginning, he says, I'm not even going to say what this movie is or give any details because you and Drew have talked about it so extensively. Um, it would never have made my top 50 had you guys not talked about it on the show so much. Oh, I know Listening to you guys talk about this, it made my top 50, and he gives the whole thing, and he's like, I'll just leave you with this one line. Come find me when you wake up. And I was just like, it was made me so happy. Just yes! <laughs> just made me so happy. And so I wanted to just give you a shout out, Richard, because... Uh, For those of you that don't know, it's it's Edge of Tomorrow. It's yeah. one of the great... It's Emily Blunt, she says an incredible line. There's, an, there's another great one in there that we love, um, and that is... Uh, it's, it's in the... It's in the... Um, it's in the, it, in the, the shed. Oh, when oh, Cruz oh. is talking to her, she's like, "How many times have we been here? Yeah. Oh, we've been here before, haven't we? How many times? Yeah, how many times? Yeah, yeah so good. We don't make it past here. Uh, Rita, if you get in the helicopter, you die. You die. Uh, okay, so what was I just going to say? There was something I wanted. Well, to We mention. were getting to Cage versus Cruz, which is not a segment we do as much on the show anymore. But what it does remind me of oh, there it is. is the fact that we haven't really talked about Cruz very At much, all. and we need to because look, we love Tom Cruise more than anybody could think it's humanly possible. Totally. Get well soon, buddy. Broke his foot in his ankle. Mission Impossible 6, the, the film was uh, delayed by almost 12 weeks. Look, man, when you're a warrior, you're going to get some injuries. Yeah, we're, you know. We're thinking about you. And we know that American Made is coming out in the next couple of weeks, so we will be covering that eventually. But let's talk about Cruz in this role. Let's talk about how amazing he is. So first thing, first things first. Uh, Cruz and Stiller have been friends for a long time. And the story behind this goes that uh, originally Cruz was going to play the Peck character, the McConaughey character. Uh And what happened was Stiller calls him and he's like, hey, I I have this idea. And Cruz is like, I think you should add a studio head character. Um, I think it'd be funny. And I'd play the character. And Stiller was like, all right, you know, we could we could work on that. And Cruz is like, but I got I got one condition. I told you the story before. If I play the character, I want fat hands and I want to dance. And uh, (laughs) and Stiller's like, do it, man. You get whatever you want. So Cruz came up with the whole thing. The whole, like, the bald, the balding head, the fat hands, the chest hair, yeah. literally all of it. He created the whole character. That's what he wanted to do. And, uh, and it's amazing. Like, his, he has, if not for Downey being so incredible in this movie, Cruz would have all the best scenes. He's so funny. And honest to God, the dancing at the end is just amazing. Like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and, oh man, okay. So this brings up, uh, this is a great, point right now so uh, another good f- friend of the show fan is richard jarvie he's got a new girlfriend congratulations by the way she hates tom cruise oh no any tips on how to convert her 
I'd say start with this film. She's probably already seen it, though. So I also want to just tell her to watch our show. Yeah, I think uh, if you're going to go with the whole, like, convert people to, like, Tom Cruise, th- I think, like, uh, Tropic Thunder's great. I Mission think Impossible 3 is, is good. That's intense, though. I would go a, little later. Yeah, go a little later. I would on. say Edge is a great place to get into it because it's a very mm. good movie and he plays kind of a coward. Uh, I think it's just a good movie overall. It's a hard movie not to like. It's funny. It's quick cuts. It's kind of awesome. He's very he's very cruisy in it. And then maybe go back and watch Risky Business. Yeah, Risky Business. It's is... kind of him as a young superstar. He's, he hasn't emerged. He's not totally comfortable in his skin. But you see, you're like this guy's gonna be something. Yeah, you, you see it when you watch it. It's impossible. And I would say after that, I think Jerry's a pretty good one. I think I think McGuire like. It's like corny, but it's also like held up really well. It's yeah. like it's hard to sort of not just love it. Um, I would so s- yeah. so, uh, so Britta, just Tom Cruise is the best. He's the <laughs> fucking best, and Richard is also one of the best. So you know, great minds think alike. Just try to hop on board here. Next segment: Mayweather versus McGregor. I just have like a really hard time. It's like it's got to be Mayweather. It's got to be Mayweather. You can't walk into someone else's sport who is the greatest all-time at that sport. He's the greatest defensive boxer ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that much about boxing, but I, I, and, I, I've i heard it. <laughs> and, like, you can't walk in there and play a sport. Like, we saw Michael Jordan walk onto a baseball diamond. We saw what happened there. Yeah, and he you was, know? you know, he was an unbelievable athlete. And yeah. he, he was okay at, at baseball. He was all right. Kind of. He made it. Was he double A? Yeah, he, he played, he played like pro. a season and a half. I mean, yeah. I think if he had played another season, maybe he would have gotten a little better. But like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. But it's going to, you know, people will watch it. It'll get a lot of attention and that'll be that. Um, I think for me, that's <laughs> I think it's pretty, pretty shut and dry. Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, unfortunately, it's not much of a fun segment because we both are in complete agreement that Mayweather. Maybe we should make a. No, we don't. We, no, we can't make a bet because no. I already have money on Mayweather. No, I can guarantee problem. I can guarantee this. The audience here, if you guys watch Schmo down at two o'clock. You'll be entertained. I can guarantee that. I can guarantee that. There's some entertainment for you. Uh, All right, so we just have... uh, Oh, no. This is going to be interesting. Our categories. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Movies that are totally legit are like... Lone Survivor and Terminator 2 and The Fugitive mm-hmm. and they're you know very they're driven by heavy dramatic principles they are held together well you don't ever like laugh unintentionally really movies that are totally ridiculous it's like Con Air Face Off Demolition Man Demolition Man uh, there's been a lot of them that we've done yeah, on here we love them Independence Day Resurgence yeah horrible movies <laughs> um, and then you have movies in the middle category Ridiculously Legitimate which are like The Rock and Predator and Speed and yeah. you know John Wick and they're just they're silly, but they're held together by at least one really, really, really strong piece. Uh, whether it's a great performance or a really good premise or one incredible scene or something like that. It's interesting because if we did MacGruber on the show, yeah, <clears throat> it would be totally ridiculous. Yeah, and if we did the nice guys on the show, I think we, I think I or one of us or maybe even both of us called it totally legitimate. Probably, yeah. I, this this movie is definitely like it has those those like stiller elements that make it like just like okay this isn't as good as it could be this is not as smart as it needs to be i love it the first three comments immediately or i think it's totally ridiculous i think it's totally legitimate i think it's in the middle category amazing yeah um for me it's for me it's pretty clearly totally ridiculous yeah i mean i really want to say that it's totally ridiculous but i think i have to go Middle category because Downey because Downey is so great. The world is so fun. Stiller is so stupid. Yeah, and like Nolte is so good. He's just a fraud. Like there, uh, there's something about it Bill that Hader, for we me. We have said his name once. 
Yeah, Bill Hader's great too. Um, Nutless monkey and can do a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think for me though, I th- what makes me like it less than the other guys and MacGruber, yeah, is that it is a little bit too legitimate for some reason. I don't even really know what is legitimate about it. The, but it, like maybe it takes itself too seriously, or I think all I think like one thing that you can always say about comedy films and this one in particular is that the final 35 40 minutes of these movies is usually not nearly as good as the first hour yeah um and i think this is the same it's always like that it's just because you end up having to like actually do legitimate story things to wrap the story up so running around and shooting guns and hiding behind things right it's just like not as good and the other guys is the same way the ending of the other guys is like not nearly as funny as the beginning all of mcgruber is perfect yeah the ending of mcgruber i think is the funniest of the three oh it's so good um (laughs) You know, so like a broken record with that. <laughs> uh, all right, so our next category here, uh, we have yeah, one thing left, and it's called the pitch. Sweet. So we got kind of a weird one for you guys, dude. I'm so excited. I about think this, this is going to be great, and uh, there's a couple reasons for why we're doing it. Yeah. So what we've got coming out this week is Soderbergh has a film out right now called Logan Lucky, which is getting really great reviews. It's the yeah. first Soderbergh movie in a little while to really have a, a, quite a bit of excitement and buzz around it. It's a totally original concept. It's got Channing Tatum. It's got Daniel Craig. It's got like Adam Driver. It's yeah. kind of a. It just looks like a kind of a fun. I'm not even sure what it's really about yet. I'm going to probably see it this weekend. We were thinking about what's going on right now and what would be interesting to talk about. And we were like, you know, has Daniel Craig been in any movie that we think has the quality to cover on here that isn't a Bond movie? And the only two that came to mind were Layer Cake yep. and Road to Perdition. I would say Defiance was the other one I considered. but Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, too. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but we both agreed when we talked about Road to Perdition. First of all, the movie's amazing. I like just recently watched it again and it's so good. Yeah, I mean Newman is is in his great final role. Hanks is it his Hanksiest. Uh Jude Law is like really weird and creepy. creepy. Yeah, Daniel Craig's great. And it's a legitimate yeah, Daniel Craig is a straight up fuck. It's a legitimate action <laughs> movie. Yeah, it's, it's got it like shootouts. It's got like legitimate action scenes. It's based on a comic book. It's a really good movie. It's Sam Mendes' follow-up to American Beauty. This was the first film he did after winning the Best Director Oscar and winning the Best Picture in 99. And I think this movie is going to be so fun to cover. Like, there's a lot of scenes in this movie. I think I already know my favorite line. We yeah, talked I think I already it. know my fist pump. Like, there's some really great stuff in this film. Uh, the music is perhaps some of the greatest that we've ever heard. It's so beautiful. It's This, this movie is really good. I can't wait to talk about it. It really is kind of like an American classic that's been very forgotten. I think very. that's one of the things we'll discuss is how kind of forgotten it was. Um, so yeah, Road to Perdition next week. And guys, I know we said last thing, but one last thing. Again, there's about 20 minutes now before the movie trivia showdown, the ultimate showdown premieres with team action against deep cuts. Uh, tune in. It's on the Collider Network on YouTube. We usually don't promote other shows, but we got to promote We're this. excited about it. We, yeah. you know, we, uh, we can't wait for you guys to watch the match. Uh, every Shimoda match we've had so far has been a blast, and uh, you know we just we we hope you guys enjoy the match. So go check it out. It starts at two o'clock. And uh, congratulations yesterday to Team Trek for their win. Yeah, yeah. If we if we do win today um, against Deep Cuts, then we will have to play them. Which was, I mean, Team Trek is just Scott Mance. We all know that. Uh, <laughs> and Scott Mance went off in round two about our boy Tom Cruise which we just you know that's not that's in bad taste yeah what are you doing man yeah come on man come now on. we gotta come for you yeah and that we will do so anything else you got today Bateman no I think that's gonna wrap it up if you guys wanna follow along in the conversation you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media you can find the podcast at AMA Podcast on Twitter uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy and you can find the Facebook page Action Movie Anatomy fan page on Facebook let's get to 500 and let's grow that to 5 million F- yeah Road to Perdition guys next week same time same place tune in thanks for watching thanks for listening and have a good one bye
from producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 